I wonder what comes into your mind when I say the words driving home for Christmas. Um, I imagine it's probably something to do with a 1980s pop Christmas classic by Chris Rea. Um, If you think a bit longer, it might be something like what we've just seen. Perhaps you've had a period in your life where you've been living or working away from home uh, and you have literally driven home for Christmas on Christmas Eve or a bit earlier. For me, it's a bit of both. So the song by Chris Rea became one of my favourite Christmas songs uh, in the years just after I left home, aged 18. I went to Bristol University and you go off and you leave home and there's all the new experiences, the unfamiliar faces, the insecurity of not knowing where you are and who you are. And I remember making a CD and putting that song on it by Chris Rea deliberately and putting it in the car uh, on my way home that first Christmas because I was excited to go home. I was excited to, to experience once again the familiar, the warmth, the comfort and the security of sitting in my parents' sofa with a cup of tea and a nice warm mince pie. And even now, when I hear that song uh, in the shops as I'm doing my Christmas shopping, driving home for Christmas makes me feel, oh, a bit Christmassy inside. And most of us will have something like that that makes you feel a little bit Christmassy inside, whether it's a song, whether it's a particular taste of something that you enjoy eating, a smell of somewhere you enjoy going, something that makes us think Christmas special. There's something about Christmas at home in particular that captures what's good about life. There's warmth and there's comfort and there's security. There's, there's family, there's people who love you and accept you. There's giving, there's generosity. But like we saw in the video, for all that's good about Christmas at home, Christmas also has a way of exposing what's worst about life, something about bringing together extended family. Maybe Christmas is the only time of year that you see your extended family. It has a way of bringing out perhaps differences of opinion about how things should be done, maybe resurfaces, old family arguments or tensions, and it can all end a little bit frayed, a bit difficult. Some researchers did a survey about the average Christmas day in Britain. Fascinating. Uh, apparently, the average British family will squabble five times over the course of Christmas day. 38% of children will moan about presents they receive. 45% of us will fall out over food preparation. That's nearly half. 10% will rekindle an, will rekindle an old family argument. See, home is meant to be a place of safety, a place of love, a place of security. And that's what we all long for in life in general, but especially at Christmas time. It's what we all want, isn't it? But the reality is that what we experience at home is often far from that. What we experience is squabbles and tensions. Maybe growing up what you experienced was fear in your own home, or maybe it was just loneliness. And Christmas can be a painful reminder of that for us. Or even if you have a peaceful Christmas day, you still have to clear away at the end of the day. You still have to put everything back in the box. And there can be that sense of anticlimax. You've had a great day. Anyone else get that? But you lie into bed and you think, it was just another day. All that hype, all that expectation, and it's just another day. There can be a sense of emptiness. We have all these hopes piled onto this time of year, this season, that can't ever be met. So the question is, how do we deal with this? That's the question I'd like us to think about briefly this afternoon. How do we deal with this gap between what we hope for and our longings at Christmas Day, or perhaps wider, for family and what we experience. How do we deal with this gap between our hopes 
and the reality and the frustrations and disappointments. Well, the, the Bible has lots to say about the subject of home. Uh, I'd like to just mention three things the Bible says about home. Number one, we were made for a different home. We were made for another home. So the fact that we have this gap between what we hope for and what we experience is meant to be a pointer to something beyond ourselves. The great um, English author and writer C.S. Lewis said this, Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger. Well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there is such a thing as water. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. So we all have a a massive desire for strong and deep relationships. It's the most fulfilling thing in life, to know that we're loved, to be loved, to be in a relationship where we're loved. And, And thinkers, great thinkers throughout the centuries have known this. So Victor Hugo, the French guy who wrote Les Miserables, said, life's greatest happiness is to be convinced we are loved. Life's greatest happiness is to be convinced we're loved. But the relationships that we long for are never perfect. We argue. We let each other down. We hurt each other, perhaps especially at Christmas time. And even the best relationships where those things happen less often than they do, they end. Our loved ones are taken from us, and it hurts. Relationships can never fulfill what we ask of them or what we hope for from them. And the Bible says we have these desires for relationships because behind the universe is a God who is relationship. A God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in relationship, loving each other. And God made us to be part of that. So right at the start of the Bible, in the the first book of the, of the, the um, the first chapter of the first book of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, We read that God creates the heavens and earth. He creates everything, the the, the sun, the the, the stars, the the sky, the sea. And then he comes on to humans. It's this fascinating verse in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, where God says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So first of all, he says, let us create man in our image, which is interesting, isn't it? That he's not just on his own God. Right at the start of the Bible, there's a hint that God is more than one. But then he says, in our image. So we're created as relational beings in the image of a relational God. And that's why when relationships of love tear apart, for whatever reason, betrayal, abandonment, death, it hurts like nothing else. That's why, because that's how we're made. The video we watched posed the question, what if there is another home? Another home that we were made for. And the Bible says there is. And that home is God. God, who is relationship, made us for himself. So that's number one. We were made for another home. Number two, we are far from home. So the Bible uses this image of darkness to describe the world we live in. I don't know if you noticed that in our first reading from, uh, no, not the first reading, uh, a later reading from the prophecy of Isaiah. He said the people that he wrote to were walking in darkness. They walked in darkness. Now that describes the people that he was talking to in this particular part of the world, but Jesus then comes back and expands that later on and says, actually, the whole world is walking in darkness. The whole world is in darkness. And we don't have to read the news websites for very long to see darkness all around us, do we? Just last week, 
Four children in Manchester killed in a house fire. Mother, still under sedation, doesn't know her children are dead. Three people charged with murder. The week before, a 15-year-old boy uh, stabbed uh, in his, outside the back of his home in Hertfordshire by a group of teenagers just hours after he was seen in the supermarket buying bread to give to homeless people. Just this morning, six dead in a crash on a road in Birmingham. And that's just the local news. That's not to mention the world, where we see tragedies every day of war, of famine, of natural disasters, of corruption. It's not hard to see. There is darkness all around us. But if we look closer, we see darkness not just around us, but within us. We do things that we don't want to do. We're addicted to things that we know aren't going to satisfy us, but we keep going back there. We end up despising ourselves. We hurt the people we love. We lash out. We're selfish. And these things often come together, don't they, at this time of year. And that's why Christmas with family often gets messy. Because we're all people with darkness within us. We're far away from the home we were made for. We're far from God. And if nothing nothing changes, if we stay there, if we stay where we are, we will be in darkness eternally. We're desperately in need of rescue. And that's why Christmas is such good news. So number one, we were made for another home. Two, we're far from that home. Number three, Jesus came to bring us home. So let's have another look at that, look at that verse from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. It says this, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. So in the darkness, Isaiah says, there is hope. There is light breaking in. I don't know if you've ever been in a dark place, perhaps a dark field in the countryside or a dark room, and someone has turned on a flashlight where you are. When you're in the dark, there's not much hope, is there, of finding your way, when you're in complete dark. But someone turns a light on, and there's hope. So is that what's happening here? Is someone turning a light on? Is the, is the hope coming into the darkness from a distance, so we can sort of find our own way? Well, not exactly. Let's have a look again at verse 6. Of Isaiah chapter 9. For it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This isn't just a rescue from a distance, God turning on a flashlight to help us out. This is God coming to us as a child, born into our world, born into the mess and darkness of our world, right into the darkness for a purpose. And the purpose was to take that darkness on himself. Ultimately in his death on the cross, in our place, taking the darkness of the whole world on himself, taking it down to the hell that it deserves and rising again back to light and back to life and back to the warmth of his father's love, back to home. And he stands there, Jesus risen and invites us to join him. And says, come into the light and the warmth of God. Come back to the home you were made for. That's why when the angels announce the birth in the Christmas story to the shepherds, they say, unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour who is Christ the Lord. Christmas is Jesus coming into our darkness to save us and to bring us home. I don't know if anyone's seen the film Dunkirk. Anyone seen that film? I went to see it at the cinema earlier this year. It was a big treat for me. I go to the cinema about once a year. So I bought my big box of popcorn. I was there. I didn't get halfway through it. It was great. Uh, Dunkirk is a film all about the evacuation of British troops from the beach of Dunkirk in 1940. So it's this beach in northern France. I'll set the scene in case you don't know the story. The British are surrounded by German tanks. They're on a retreat 
It's a military disaster, a colossal disaster. They've got nowhere to run, they can't break through. The German tanks stop, and basically they're target practice for the planes. There's 400,000 men on this beach without a hope of getting home. And uh, the film is incredibly tense. There's this kind of rhythmic, monotonous music in the background. And you're kind of experiencing almost the fear those soldiers were experiencing. Was, I was unbelievably tense. I was so stressed by this film. <laughs> Once a year, come on. Um, so the, the, the soldiers make this, all these failed attempts to escape off this beach, and the destroyers therein get sunk by the German torpedoes. And you're thinking it's a matter of time before they're all killed. And then weaved into the story is this other story, this other narrative of a father and two sons at home in nice, sunny, quiet, calm England. And they own a boat. They live on the south coast. And they hear the news. They're being called to go and help rescue these soldiers. And they jump in, the father and his two sons, uh, to, to be part of this, this mission. And there's a, a wonderful scene. About two-thirds of the way through the film. Um, spoiler alert, by the way, in case you haven't seen it. They get out. <laughs> the, the commander is looking through his binoculars. And, uh, and he, he, he sees something. He lowers them slowly. And the assistant that he's with says, what have you seen? What is it? And he says one word, home. And the music changes, and it changes to this beautiful, kind of melodic, haunting music, and you, you recognise it, and it's a British tune composed by an English composer, and there's a, a, an aerial shot of the fleet of ships from home, scattered ships all over, owned by people, private vessels, going into the war zone to save their countrymen from the disaster. I had a lump in my throat. It's an amazing story. And there's a strapline in the trailer of the film Dunkirk. When 400,000 men couldn't get home, home came for them. That's the strapline. And that's what's happening at Christmas. We're on the beaches. We're in the darkness. We're stressed. We're trapped by the darkness without us, by the darkness inside us. And Jesus is at home. He's in the calm peace of his Father's love. From all eternity, he's there. And he comes. He comes into the war zone. He comes into the darkness to rescue us and to bring us home. So this year, when you come up against that gap between what you hope for at Christmas and what you experience, between the longings and the reality, between the hopes and the frustrations, maybe ask yourself this question. What does that point me to? You were made for another world. And right now, you're far from that place. But the message of Christmas is that Jesus came to bring you home.